Welcome to the Anzac Day edition of the Calling Around. I'm Sly. And I'm... I wish I did forget, Spook. Well, it's all going to shit really quickly. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Going into this game, let me just go through some of the personnel. Jay Rantel, zero games. Will Kelly, three quarters. Phil McRae, one game. Nathan Murphy, two games. Bo McCreary, two games. I know he's got three, but one was a sub where he never came on. Trey Rusko, six games. Darcy Cameron, 12 games. Isaac Quainor, 20 games. Jack Magden... 26 games, John Noble, 27 games, Josh Dacos, 40 games. That's an extremely inexperienced side that we fielded. How was Essendon's lineup in age? I don't care. Uh, <laughs> but looking at this in terms of a succession, ironically, that you need the youth to come in to replace the older players who are looking like... Older players. Yeah. And you'd hope that some of these guys would have a few more games under their belt or would have some youth from previous years, like Nathan Murphy, you know, he's been there since 218, who had played a few more games and were providing that middle tier. Hasn't happened. So the bottom of the Collingwood is extremely vulnerable. Then you have guys like Josh Thomas and Oscar Elliott, who actually weren't that bad. Uh, Kellen Brown and, you know, guys like, in general, Maine and all that, who aren't high possession getters. You have an extremely vulnerable underbelly for Collingwood. In terms of this match, I actually had something on, so I couldn't watch it. I had to watch the replay. I did. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, so I had to force myself to watch it. I was able to watch it without emotion or investment in, you know, what was going to happen because I knew the result. Did you have pointy ears? Yeah, I did. I had my hand attached to the television. Congratulations to Colombo and Essendon Football Club. You've been doing this, what, 25 years, and you can't get your fucking jumpers to clash? <laughs> It it's, a, it's, it's pretty it hard. Amazing. I did see a tweet today that um, Bucks did ask the players at halftime. Yeah, I was to, get to that. Oh, sorry to mention that. But he um, he did say, is, is, the, is the jumpers a problem? And they said no. And then he realised he was in the Essendon rooms. <laughs> well, watching it, I could watch it totally uh, dispassionately. These are the things I noticed. Skills were fucking appalling. You have to have some skill to be, for it to be appalling. Buckley went into the, you know, to address the players at halftime and said that the jumpers are a problem. It's deja vu. Yeah, and it was like, the players said no, and it's like, well, then why are your skills so shit? How is it you could just turn... It was so frequently, it happened again and again and again. It was like, anytime they had a chain of possessions, it was bound to be a turnover. It was one of the most appalling displays I've ever seen. Very fumbly. We've commented this before, how a guy who's one of the most skilled players Australian rules football has ever produced, in Nathan Buckley could be coach of a team with such poor skills as beyond me. Still, side bottom looks gone. He shot. Um, what was his numbers? Do you have his numbers there? No, I don't. I, don't, I did read, and I haven't confirmed this, that his, um, I don't his, his disposal efficiency was 33%. Um, he, just any time he went near the ball, just looked like a calamity. Ah, oh, he looked rushed. He looked panicked. Yep, slow. Slow of thought. Yeah, I think things that used to be quite instinctive for him, and now when he has to stop and think about them... Quite but, uh, Yeah. No, it was, um, that was terrible. And then, look, you know, the end looks like it's coming soon. For all of us, I hope. <laughs> By next weekend. Brody Grundry, would he be capable of, like, punching a ball? No, apparently you just uh, flat head and mark every time you're uh, just, doing just, something in defence. Some of those efforts against Andrew Phillips, it was like, Phillips marked and Grundy was like, ah, wasn't ready, can we do it again? Oh, darn it. it, it his body language is one of the worst things I've ever seen. It wasn't like he went for it and like, okay, I've been out much. It was seriously like, oh, jeez, I just wasn't in the right space. I wasn't quite ready for it. Um, his form's got to be a massive concern because there's six more years of this coming. <laughs> six million dollars more of this coming. Terrible defensive pressure. Mm-hmm. 
Is it possible that we could tackle someone and actually hold a tackle? I no, hear that's what you've got to do in the AFL. How many times did Essendon snap over their shoulder and, and just threw bursts or a pack? And, yeah. and you didn't see anyone that looked like... You know, within Cooey of, of giving a tackle, which was... Um, oh, a few times tragic. they just broke through us. I mean, I remember <clears throat> Pendlebury uh, tackled Tip and Woody and I think Pendlebury became conscious of got him a little bit low and he just went, oh, hi, sorry. <laughs> and just went, oh, I was be really conscious of him low. Um, and just let him walk off. Tackling, defensive pressure, midfield accountability at Collingwood has been deteriorating for quite a while. And it's now at a... I shouldn't even say it's now at a point. It's been at a point for quite a while. It's actually gotten beyond that. It's a farce. If the coaches can't turn this around, then you need to turn around the coaches and get someone who can turn this around. Well, I think that's inevitable. I mean, actually think the, 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 um, the, the effect of, of, of the change this year is, is starting to really tell. I think, look, obviously, I think that... There's a little bit of, we're not playing for the coach anymore. Um, but I think there's also an element too of uncertainty around Collingwood. And that's really starting to manifest into the mindset of the, of the playing group. They're just not playing with anything. How is that possible when people on Twitter thought we would still be top four? Oh, I have no idea. I mean, Twitter doesn't lie, does it? Um, yeah, there's just no passion or spirit or anything out there. You know? like, yeah, there's moments where they look like, geez, they give a shit. But then just, nah. Well, this goes to my next point. Horrible shape around the ball. They're constantly flat-footed or passing the teammates under pressure. This has been happening for two and a half years, but it's deteriorated to the extent like where you think they're in positions now where they can't find their way out, and that must be frustrating for the players who are trying to create a chain, get some attack happening, and the way we are shaped around the ball just makes that impossible. That goes more to the coaches, I imagine, than the players. Mm-hmm. If the coaches are saying, well, the players aren't doing what we're telling them to do, then that's still the coach's problem because you're not communicating your message or your message is so impossible for the players to manufacture. Um, defensive matchups. I don't know. I was watching on television. Jack Magden, was he playing on Tip and Woody? There was times, I think, well, Quayner was mainly on him, but then any time that Quayner went off, Tip and Woody invariably kicked a goal and Magden just happened to be always in the vicinity. So it was a strange one. Robert Harvey was became the defensive coach. Well, that's clearly evident. And against the uh, GWS a few weeks ago, he had like those weird matchups too of Quaynor on Green and oh, I think it was Maynard on Finlayson. And so I, I, really defensively, you're getting your matchups wrong. I think he's become offensive coach. <laughs> he has become. Uh, youth doesn't look great when there's no system there. No. So you're bringing these guys in um, someone pointed out on Twitter that Jay Roundtail played as an inside midfielder in the VFL. Yeah, 27 possessions yeah. and, and plays a high That's a deep forward floor. pocket, yeah. yep. Good job, Bucks. Yeah, no, that's exactly probably what he'd been training for. Yep. Darcy Cameron, I thought, was really good. No, I was, I, it, was, it was almost a borderline breakout game for him. Yep. Um, he dominated. I mean, that miss was, was frustratingly annoying. Frustratingly 15 metres out. And that was you know, a critical sort of point of the game at that point. Um, that was, but apart from that, I mean, that's one slip up. They happen, um, but other than that, I thought his game was really encouraging. Moves well, mate, seems to mark well, kick straight. All those traits that I'm sure will have uh, ironed out of him by round nine. Yeah, let me ask you about uh, Darcy Moore. Started up forward for the first half, didn't look great, but again, who does a Collingwood up in the four line? Second he half, a, he did a couple of nice things there, but yeah. the delivery was appalling. Well, well, this goes back to the point. I watched the VFL or half the VFL on whatever day it played, Saturday. And I was like surprised Mason Cox was getting criticised. It's like, have you seen the way the ball's coming down? It's raining, it's windy. And people, you know, what are we expecting to do? And it's saying, the Darcy Moore thing here proves it. And it's not a criticism of Moore. Our system entering the forward 50 just doesn't work. And if it doesn't work, why are you expecting anyone to benefit and to actually kick bags? I mean, you know, 
like Darcy Cameron kick free is going to do that consistently? No, not with this system. Because it's been proven that Collingwood, the players will chip in and then they'll just disappear. Yeah. But let me ask you about him being thrown into the back half. That came as a complete shock. So Essendon, from, again, watching the television, uh, tall defender Francis, he went off injured. Laverde was injured and limping around. So now they're short in the forward line. Oh, in their defence, in our forward line. You'd think that would be the time to leave more there. And maybe even to sort of go, well, let's start doubling up with more on Cameron and playing Grundy and getting him all to rotate. And I actually think it's uh, it's endemic of Buckley's coaching that he's gone to the defensive move. It's a really close game. You're not going to save it. You need to win it. But you've gone for a saving yeah. move. Yeah. Which I thought, if you're going to lose someone, it should have been my check who was really struggling yeah, up forward. just couldn't get near it. Yeah, and it would have been like, all right, you know what? Move my check up into defense. If that doesn't work, you still have the more option. But the way we were playing, it really felt like, hey, the game's relatively close. The biggest problems are your fucking skill errors and your poor decision-making and your lack of defensive pressure around the ball. And the one thing you address is shoring up the defense, which wasn't looking horrific. So I actually found that really, really astonishing. And more went there. They didn't have much influence. Didn't do anything anyway. Yeah, so... I always think, you know, put your, I always said if I hey, just put your best players around the ball, you want to win the ball, you want to win possession, you want to give your forwards the best chance. More, I still think, could be a match winner as a forward, but you need to work out your system going forward because this goes all the way back to the Travis Cloak days under Buckley. You just have no system going forward. Your, your whole system is, let me bomb it and hope you'll outmark free opposition. Or let me bomb it nowhere near you and hope somehow, even though you're 25 metres away and there's two defenders in your way, you'll somehow get around them to mark my kick. Oh, what's wrong with that? I, I, you know, if you look at where the club is now, it's seriously what? They're saying they're not in crisis mode? No, they're in crisis mode. Well, you look at the... We list. just haven't been told in social media that that's the case. Do okay. you think they'll be honest and say something about that? You go back to the list of players, inexperienced players I had in the side. Yep. You have three notable outs, which are Elliot. Taylor Adams, Elliot... And the other guy. Um, the, 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 what's his name? Yeah, the guy. Yeah, that's him. And then you have guys like Maine and Greenwood, who would be peripheral players. If you're playing them just for the sake of playing them, then that's, you know, not the right mentality. I understand you probably want some senior bodies in there. But the three actual creators are those three. Elliot, the guy, and Adams. <laughs> okay. We're showing an extreme lack of depth now, okay? And if you look at... I'll, I'll jump to this really early. So I've got a lot of paper today. There's a lot of paper there. Yep. Oh, I can't believe she's doing that. You go to X-Player Watch. Bulldogs defeated JWS by 39 points. Trelaw, 16 kicks, 19 handballs, 3 marks, 5 tackles, kicked 1 goal, 77% disposal efficiency. So in the time he's been at the Dogs, he's only had like the one subpar disposal efficiency game. Fremantle defeated North by 51. Stevenson, 15 kicks, three handles, five marks, two tackles, kicked two goals, 61% disposal efficiency. Of the three, of these three, he's the one consistently down on disposal. You're better than side bottom. But the thing with Stevenson, he's in a side that's getting belted every week, so obviously there's a lot of intercepts. Well, nothing's really changed for him. Yeah. Yeah. And Hawthorne defeated Adelaide by three points. Phillips, 12 kicks, 11 handles, five marks, one tackle, one goal, 70% disposal efficiency. Should also point out the last few weeks, Atu Bonsologia, sorry, I'm going to mess up that name. He's actually played for North. He's getting like 15, 20 possessions. He? He's doing well. Good on him. 
but those three are the guys you'd have as a bit of depth to come. Well, not a bit of depth. They'd be part of your starting 18th. Yep. And we are now exposed through um, inexperience. Now, someone pointed out to me, we have burned five top... I'm oh, sorry, five first-round picks in this build. You, you spent two on Trelaw, which are now gone. You could have had guys like Charlie Curnow and uh, Harry McKay. Uh, you burned one on Stevenson, when you could have had McNaughton and uh, Oscar Allen. And you burned two on Beams. So there's five picks for three players who are no longer there. So that's effectively eight players you've lost out of all that because of the players you've got to take and the players you've traded out. And we're gearing up for another first pick. Well, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Davis depending on where we finish. I'm still curious about where this list build has gone massively wrong. I look at this over the last three years. 218, Jerry Blair and Alex Vasolo went out. 219, James H., Daniel Wells and Sam Murray went out. Sam Murray must have been a little bit money for gearing down from the Swans. Uh, in 2020, you had Tom Langdon, Ben Reid, Travis Varco, Dane Beams, Matthew Scharenberg, Adam Trelaw, Tom Phillips, and Jane Stevenson, all gone out who would have been on some sort of money, and Tim Roomett also. That's a lot of money in three years to go to the club. Have we got a salary cap problem? How, well, that's the big question. Oh, did we double the amount? Well, we must have been paying Apparently people extra. 240% over the salary cap. Last week, Collingwood... Did, I was going to say elected a new president, but that's not right. They anointed a new president. <laughs> you got my vote. Um, I voted, didn't I? Did you? I don't know. You remember? I don't know. The last time I remember voting was in 1999. And I just trolled through Twitter to look at some of the trolled. responses. Yeah, trolled troll. through Twitter? Yeah, trolled through Twitter. That's, all you can do that's a statement that. of fact, isn't it? Yeah. So, Twitter. Um, DJ North. Eddie's puppet. What a joke of a decision. You deserve better, pie fans. Dive, not happy. Saw him speak at President's Lunch in round one. He's not a leader. He can't hold the room. Boring speaker. If this is what we've got to look forward to, then I'm not inspired. I say an extraordinary GM is in order and maybe let members have a vote. LV Morris. Sounds like a maudlin young fella. Who needs a due process or picking the best candidate when you can just promote a board stooge behind closed doors? Absolutely. This club is a joke. Mad Pie. How is this democratic for the members? The long-term vice president of a tired board, what message does it send? New director, Neil Wilson, comes from nowhere. Aren't we member-owned? We need an EGM now. Need members to agitate for change. Don't worry, they're agitating. It really sounds like uh, this is the right move. It, yeah. It's actually just galvanised the supporter base. Mark, at the risk of sounding like a nuffy, this is a woeful decision. Quarter, a VP for a decade and a half, mates with Eddie versus Murphy, who is able to cast an objective eye and making recommendations in the function of the football club. What exactly changes? Paul Robinson. He sounds like a dickhead. Yeah. 14 years on the board. Good to see some fresh new perspectives brought in. It's Groundhog Day again. Rando, part of the problem for 20 years. Choke. Rick, given Eddie's 10 year role, I can't remember how this process should be run, but as a paid up member, I thought I was allowed to have a say. No due process with members is bad optics, regardless of whether he or she is the right fit. Robert Graziani, he's an accountant for Christ's sake. Who as a VIP couldn't realize and rectify the massive salary cap debacle? Definitely not using him for my tax return. Good decision, Robert. Uh, Stephen Charles, we go from bad to worse. This is not the change the club needs. Trent Walker, that excuse the language, this joint's fucked, but I do agree, Trent. <laughs> Needed to be 100% fresh blood with no ties to previous board. Eddie will still have a lot to do with it, unfortunately. Zlatsky, don't get why there isn't a fresh face. Might be the best businessman, but need to start all over again. He's been at the club too long, and F all has really happened in that time. Next couple of months will be interesting. Turtle. The legendary Collingwood Turtle. 
Fully expect either an AGM later this year or a board challenge at Collingwood and next AGM. Quarter has been there since 2007 and for an insolvency expert, how did he miss the salary cap blowout? They're all viable questions, really, aren't they? Yes, and to answer the turtle, I think he's there to see that we become insolvent. But the turtle is? No, no, Collingwood. Ah. What's your thoughts about this newly anointed president? I mean, the, the funny... He said he's going to be not like Eddie. He's come out and apologised for pretty much oh, everything that Eddie's ever done seriously. or the club's ever well, done. Well, I mean, the first thing is, it's what always brings to mind, is if there was a worse possible decision to make that completely misread the room, they've done it again. You know, I think... They could have this... made one worse decision. They could have reappointed Eddie. <laughs> <coughs> well, apparently there's a Freddie McQuire um, that's uh, going for one of the board <laughs> positions, so we'll uh, we'll watch that space intently. Um, no, I think um, it's again that everyone's clamouring for change. You know, we we want to turn the list over. We want a new um, set of coaches. We want to spill the board and make them accountable for uh, for, for the fact that we are where we are because they ratify all decisions. Uh, so what do we do? We just take someone who's been there as part of the furniture for 14 years and say, well, you do it now. You can think, well, what's really going to change? You, you've been a part of everything that, that's been cocked up in the last couple of months. You think you're getting a vote of confidence? And then to come out and apologize. do the apologise. Uh, I think we overpaid for, for Grundy. Um, you sit there and you just, what was the other one that was also said about? He apologised for the handling of the Trelawney. Yeah. He apologised Harisha Lumumba for the handling of his situation. I'm pretty certain he typed that email and just said that to keep these sons of bitches happy. I, th- I think tomorrow he's apologising for all the apologies that he's issued. <laughs> but it's yeah, it's like, okay, we'll try and placate them by addressing the things out there that seem to be annoying them. What? They're still angry at me. I don't understand this. I look at this and think this club is so lacking vision and the one thing that frustrates me and annoys me, you know, is all that, all the optics around the trade period. Collingwood tried to sell it as a strategy and no one's examined this closely enough in terms of, okay, so your strategy was to bloat the cap to keep the list together for contention for two years. Was that your strategy? Or was your strategy to load it up and have a shot without thinking about the repercussions? So you're either negligent or you're derelict of your duties. If you really examine this, you know, the, the, the optics around this strategy, it's the, it's a fucking debacle that, Anyone no, could buy the debacle. You seriously no, I can't have hear to that be... word debacle. La 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 la. And the club is running around going, you know, the court is saying, oh, we'll play finals. Well, maybe if the 16 clubs above you are all disqualified for playing unregistered players, then we'll jump up the first and lose the fucking grand final to North with Stevenson kicking the winner. <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> Are you sure? We're one and five. To make, to play finals, we'd need 12 more wins. Okay, so what's that? 12 wins from another 16 games or whatever? We weren't doing that in the last two years. So why would you expect we're going to do that now? The club is in a serious mess. And, you know, you have talk of Jeff Brown still possibly being a challenger. But it really feels like they need someone completely from... I was going to say left field, but I'm pointing to my right. So over there. From left field, from my house, come in. Yes, from your house to come in and just go. This place is fucked, and it's, it's time we stop pretending it's not fucked. We should raise our own ticket then. We be this is this this place is fucked party. Oh, you'd probably get a lot of votes at the moment. I think you would. Um, I don't think um, there's a shadow of a doubt it's going to be an AGM. Yeah, you, you've got them constantly telling us it's a naughty, evil thing. Don't do it, people. Well, you go back to the footy classifieds. So but they've got to be worried. Eddie McGuire explained the process that the members elect the board and then the board 
he sort of was unclear, but they elect the positions that they hold and the president. And then about five minutes later, he said he hand-selected his board. It's like, well, that's not an election, unless you're saying you hand-selected him for election, but I don't recall any of them being elected. I think his hand passed in the votes. Well, <laughs> could have been. And then you get that whole talk about the EGM. We don't want the EGM and they're nasty things. They're expensive. They're emotional. It's like, well, no, I actually want an EGM because... You need to be held accountable yep. for the fact that this club is in a mess just two years after playing in the grand final. You're actually up there with Adelaide in terms of nosediving from you know, being in, in the the last game of the year. Everyone thought coming into two outing grand final would probably contend for about four or five years. We should be up there for four or five years, whether we won something or not, and, you know, it's a different matter. But we should have been up there. And you really would have thought, going back to the Anzac Day game, what's happened this year, you thought Buckley matured as a coach and he finally gets it. He's finally worked out the game plan that they want to play and all that. And then you go to 2 and 19, it's just been deteriorating. And now it's, just, it's really back to 214, 215, 216. It's, it's secure. You, you, know, you win the flag in 90. A couple of years later, you're, uh, you're back to rock bottom. Yeah. You win one in 2010. A couple of years later, you're back to rock bottom. You make a grand final in 2019. A couple of years later, you're back to rock bottom. It's just the self-fulfilling prophecy of Collingwood. The, the one thing I'll give him credit for in 1990 and 2010, as far as we know in 2010, is the salary cap wasn't an issue. I mean, the salary cap was a sort of more tenuous thing in 1990. They did collapse for other reasons. You would have thought, though, the people that were around in 2010 that managed the cap there might have actually utilised that experience. I, I still I really don't get how that cap got to that point. When you had guys like, in terms of the, the post-210, that period, if you look at like, Buckley the Snod, okay, I'm going to rejig the list and all that sort of shit. So you had all these guys like Cloak and Swan and Daisy and Heater and Dawes and Wellingham and Beams all going out. You had no one coming in of any real note other than your Jesse Whites and your Travis Varkos and all that and, and Levi Greenwood. Surely they weren't on the dollars that were going out. Well, it's hard to know, really. Well, it's hard to know. I mean, I'm sure they probably lured Varko down for $2 million a year contract. They're all living in the Bahamas now. <laughs> yeah. And then you have like a period where your draft picks aren't working. You know, the Sharonbergs and Freemans and Kennedys and Broomheads, they're not working. So they're not going up in the pay scale you'd imagine. I don't know if Colin was sitting there going, ooh. Someone might get Tim Broomhead. Let's sign him to a $500,000 a year. I don't know if that happened. There's a possibility it happened at Collingwood. Just back end everything. And then you finally get it right with the Gully and Stevenson and Grundy. I mean, Grundy was there a little bit earlier, but you know, you finally get it right and these players start to come of age and yet the only real players holdovers from the 210 Premiership squad who should be making money are Pendleberry and Sidebottom. And the only other guy I think who would be making money as a recruit would be Jeremy Howe. Guys like Ruffhead and that, I can't imagine they're on, they should be on that much. I don't know where the fuck this money's going. And when I look at the list now, I, I think it's going to be really curious when we get to the end of the season, get the trade period, if we actually pick up a free agent. Because if we come away from that without picking up a free agent, then what everyone's going to believe is, hey, you've bullshitted about making room for free agents. Somewhere this cap is a lot more messed up than you'll ever let on. I, I really don't know where the money's going. No, but they've told us it's okay now. It's good. If you look at some it's in healthy shape. If you look at some of the other lists going around, like Melbourne's put together a really good list. They're within the cap. Richmond's obviously won premierships and kept that list relatively relatively together. They've lost a few players in the periphery, but they haven't lost any real corp. They haven't lost a Cochin or you know mm. Martin or anything. Um, and they haven't lost like the next generation players like we did. I don't know where this money's going. I'm really, really curious. Obviously, they're not going to come out with their books and go, this is where we spent it. But I'm really curious where this money is going for it to have been so tight and 
And I, and I've always said, why couldn't they have just given that you have Pendlebury and Sidebottom and Howell like thirty, Pendlebury's 32, 33, and then you have Ruffhead and Main and Greenwood, who in the next two to three years will all retire. There should be room that increases in the cap. So how you could have just sort of keep pushing this problem along for a little bit and then just gradually take care of it as space and open up in the cap leads me to believe that there's a it's a lot bigger mess than we have ever been well, let on maybe the little p president can explain it to us because he's a forensic accountant by trade surely this is bread and butter to get to the bottom of where money goes you think he's got like a he should have his own tv show like murder she wrote <laughs> salary cap she he wrote and just have mark quarter with a little magnifying Sal- glass. salary cap he fucked well, it's not his fault. Oh, it's not his fault, but well, as far as I'm aware, it's not exclusively his fault. No, I'm blaming him. The club is a mess and they're still running around. If they lose one of the next two games... If. <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll get to that in a minute. All right, we'll get to that now. So, going into this week, I should mention that Taz, who was a former ranter when the Collingwood Rant was a website... He's anointed his new four horsemen. So the four horsemen were players of stunning mediocrity who just kept getting games and were never dropped. Four horsemen of the apocalypse. Yep. And his four horsemen for the 2021, and this has been Taz's thing for... Does he change it weekly or is it a no, no, consistent thing? No, it's a consistent thing for seasonally. So his four horsemen, I mean, three of them are pretty self-evident. Callum Brown, Josh Thomas, Will Hoskin, Elliott. And Chris Main. Chris Main's the leader, and he has Jack Magden as the medical sub. So, or is he one of the horses? We're not sure yet. It tells you something, though, that those four players. Like I said, I think uh, Hoskin Elliott was actually pretty good on on Sunday. Well, I think that's Buckley's new strategy: is that uh, each week he plays someone different on the wing, and they 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 shine. Oh, why would you play anyone who's good at the wing? Look at the injuries. Taylor Adams, six to seven weeks, so that's probably a season. Yeah. Jamie Elliott, six to eight weeks, that's probably no, a season. season. Yep. Jeremy Howe, two to three weeks, that's a season. Trent DeGoey, <laughs> one to three weeks, that's a season. Trent DeGoey. Trent DeGoey. Trent Bianco, one to three weeks. <laughs> we mashed them together like the fly. One to three weeks, that's a season. Jordan DeGoey, one week, that's probably a season. But DeGoey should be fit, according to them. They said like there's a 12-day turnaround in the concussion rule now. So he should be available. But I do recall when he did his hamstring, they said it'll be 10 days, and eight weeks later, he still wasn't playing. So thank you, Collingwood. And football clubs, I shouldn't just blame Collingwood, because all the football clubs do it. Playing Gold Coast at Optus Stadium in West Australia at 8.45pm. With Witzers uh, opposing uh, yeah. Ruckman to Grundy in the yeah. picture that came out from the wonderful social media department today. Good work, Collingwood Figures Digital Manager. On the pulse, yeah. No, it's good that someone ratifies the work, but I guess it's the COVID cutbacks, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty hard to sort of go, fixture. So um, I've booked my flights to Perth. Yeah. Have you Have you got yours sorted I out booked, yet? I've had to speak be, to Mark McGowan about letting me in. Should be. No, he's, um, he actually stopped the, um, the lockdown ends tonight because he was looking forward to the... Uh, to the big football game coming over to, to where where are they? Perth, WA? Yeah, up to Stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, McGowan, he's a big uh, watcher of the round, I'm sure. He loves, um, the, he loves the Suns. He loves the Suns. He's he, a, he does. He yeah. thinks they're... Um, they're yeah, when he, when he was elected, like the, you know, he goes, who's the football club? And they said the West Coast, and he just... Nah, he, goes, he just metamorphosed the Gold Coast. I want the Suns here. He wants the Suns. I want the Suns. So we're playing... Um, well, if you don't know what we're on about, Collingwood's announced that that's where we're playing. You can do one of those smart graphics and put the picture up. If I have the picture, I'll just make one up. But if you've done that before I've made that statement, it'll look like magic. That's a good point. Gold Coast had a great win against 
Um, Sydney, who've the old cross town rivals. Yeah, are they? I don't know. No idea. Gold Coast have actually been competitive in most of their games this year. Um, they ran West Coast close over there. I think Bulldogs got a hold of them. Bulldogs are the form club at the moment. And they smashed Sydney, which is a bit of a surprise. I think everyone would have expected that to... Well, Sydney was to lose to be close, but Gold Coast r- smashed them. I think this one's... Where, where is it? Marvel? I don't know. It's changing everything. No, it's MCG. I'm pretty sure it's Marvel. The, 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 uh, the Gowan, McGowan station, um, Stadium. Okay. Um, Collingwood, I don't... The Goey's the only one you'd think who'd be... Trent the Goey. Trent the Goey should be... Yeah, he should be up and running. He should be the only one who's... What about uh, Jordan Bianco? Is he, uh, he's fit as well? So yeah, he's, he's probably he's, another... He's on the free league, so we'll, we'll never see him again. Mm-hmm. In terms of um, inclusions, there's really nothing. When Like watching the reserves, the only guy they could bring back with any senior experience is Cox. They're not going to do that because Darcy Cameron's playing well. But unless they drop Grundy, which I advocate, but they won't do it. Never have it. Could you imagine the furor of dropping your million dollar man? Well, I'm sure it'll happen. You'll have a virus. Side bottom has been appalling. I know they won't drop him. You can't. <laughs> Rusko probably was the one who really struggled on Anzac Day. Yeah, not 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 really thrilled with that. I'd be playing Henry ahead of him. Yep. Uh, and there's a couple of calls for guys like Poulter and all that. But Poulter, I still think might get a call up this week. But as it is, I mean, if so probably where would they play him though? Probably in the um, as, as a sent back or medical, something. Medical sub. Medical yeah. sub. Uh, Tyler Brown was the medical sub. How'd he go? Well, he was best no, on Graham no clangers so he's a medical sub he's either going to play or be dropped you'd think that um, McCreary would be the only young player really the only player who'd definitely hold this spot on form he's about the other one I really like at the moment ah, well Pendlebury does alright for a 94 year old no I meant from the from the new crop he, he, he's well got Pendlebury a, does alright for a 94 year old he's got a bit of C uh, ends in T about him career is really good. He's really impressive, and that's the sort of player they should be looking for more often. Maynard has struggled extremely, but none of these guys can be dropped because there's no one to actually bring up. That's it. And we're not really grooming anyone for replacements either, obviously. Oh, well, we can't because we don't have replacements. Mm. It's a good place, isn't it? It's a good place to be. So, and this is the thing too, is, you know, you go back to those people who are saying, we'll still make finals, we'll still play, you know, be top four. Top four, yeah. Top four is a real possibility. All you need is a If hand- you turn the ladder upside yeah. down at the end of the season. All you need is a handful of injuries and it's totally then exposed. If there's a handful of injuries. No, all you need is a ha- handful of injuries. When, was, when there's a handful of injuries. Yeah, inevitably it was going to happen and they're totally exposed, which is what's happened. Well, Bucks and his grandfather says you can't play the kids, so while we can be dangerous, we're going to be fucked. Can we field a side of six? I really want to see Buckley go all out attack and have. I, I know he won't do it. He'll play more on King, you know. So our experienced gun will play on their sixteen-year-old gun. I'd like to see Buckley go all out attack and to try some things like we've been advocating for all, like playing Quayner on the wing, playing Maynard in the middle. Or it could be Quayner's turn on the wing. I think he's they're rotating the position. Like, yeah. like school footy, you know. Even start Grundy at full forward just to do a few different things. I mean. Look, watching the last couple of games and seeing Darcy Cameron in the ruck, and this is no slight at Darcy Cameron. Darcy Cameron sharing ruck duties and sharing ruck time in Grundy when you've signed this guy for seven years and seven million dollars, it's a fucking farce. <laughs> really. Well, whilst I signed Cameron to, you know, seven years, you need... Grundy's always proven, and I recall this when we were playing Grundy and Wits, they were both very similar in that when they had the bulk of the ruck they played a lot better than when they just shared 50% of it 
Whatever's wrong with Grundy, they've got to fucking fix it. Because now it's... I, I just think it looks... It's a terrible mm. look and feel for the club to have this guy on a seven-year contract who really is now running around with poor body language and looking... Yeah, look, I think... I, yeah, his, his head's not in the right space still um, after two years. And there's got to be a reason for all this that we're not privy to. Kind of. But yeah, well, it could be it. That's probably enough to do anyone's head in. Um, but there's something clearly going on there. Kind of. Yeah, look, he manfully battles and stuff, but he just doesn't look a shadow of his former self. A shadow? A shadow. A shadow of his former self. So, yeah, I think there's something up here that's not... Collingwood. ...not making him happy. I but the, we can probably trade him away at the end of the year and pay most of his salary, can't we? Well, we're paying... As far as I'm aware, I mean, we're not paying Trelaw for five years, and I'm pretty sure we're paying Beams this year, and we're paying Langdon this year, and... Rumour is we're still paying Phillips. Phillips. So, I don't know. The I club don't... haven't come out and denied any of this too, which is interesting. And then Stevenson, I think they, they did say we, though they weren't paying any of it, but they had their fingers tied behind their back at the time. And there was a, a large projectile that crossed against the room that was looked a little bit like a wooden nose, but uh, it was hard to tell from the angle I was watching on. Um, but you'd have to assume there's a bulk of, um, a bulk of players out there that uh, getting paid. are uh, getting paid by us. And presumably, I mean, some of that will terminate at the end of this year because the some of that will terminate. How do you know if all the back ending? When, when does it terminate? I don't know. Maybe you back end the back end. Maybe you pay their retirement funds as well. I don't know. I'll, you know, could be anything. We're probably still paying Paul Seedsman. <laughs> do you feel like we're capable of losing one of the next two? Oh, definitely. I think we're. I think. I think we should lose to North. I don't think North could barely win a game this year. Let's watch this space, though. Um, but I think Gold Coast is this borderline danger game. Well, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Um, we're, we're fucked anyway. So, um, but... Yeah, How I'm, fucked are we going to be? So if you look at the, the whole season, we're 1-5, which I tipped to some people at the start of the year would be 1-5. Um, we'll give a lot of thumbs up. Uh, oh, look, we'll be shocking for a little while now. But I think once you get... If, if um, um, Trent Degoe comes back... Um, and stays back um, for an extended period. And, and if, if we do happen to see the likes of Elliot and Adams towards the back end of the season, we'll probably win a few games then. But we're not going to feature in finals, so it really doesn't matter. And, you know, the fact that we're not going to um, benefit from a, a, a first-round pick because that goes the minute that we get it um, um, really doesn't matter either, I guess. As long as we have enough points to, to get uh, shiny old uh, Nick Davis. So within the football season, you always have, like, couple of teams clubs that are just write-offs that's going to be North Melbourne just because of their list profile they were never going to be competitive throughout the year a lot of those clubs who finished outside the eight last year like Melbourne um well Melbourne's obviously you know they're undefeated at the moment but then you get teams like Adelaide who look competitive Sydney look competitive Carlton's struggling, but I mean, they are losing to sort of the finalists from last year rather than just losing to anybody. They did lose to us. That was the most embarrassing thing they did. But Fremantle looks competitive. So of the write-off clubs, there's only two at the moment, which is us and North. I think the bottom will drop out of Gold Coast, again, just a young team. So if we played them later in the year, I'd probably be a little bit more confident. Hawks are pretty cactus, but they just have these really spirited moments. Yeah, so Hawks are probably the other one too. If you look at the ladder, I think you know we'll, we'll, we'll knock off some finalists at some point. Oh, that's it. That's a given. Yeah, and then we'll lose to North Melbourne. We'll probably be Richmond, and that'll be our uh, yeah. our grand final for the year. But in terms of where we stand, I think people need to start acknowledging where the write off this year. 
we thought it was going to be good. Like I've been tipping 10th, but now I'm looking and going, no, we could seriously finish a lot worse. Injuries to Adams, or the injury to Adams is the worst one we could probably get because he's so important to our midfield. From this week on, I'd love to see Buckley just say, all right, I need to win the ball in the center because that's where we're getting killed. We've had this critically acclaimed midfield for four years and it's constantly let us down. And then when we got beams, it was the greatest midfield ever and it still let us down. You've lost three players on that midfield in Trelaw, Phillips and Stevenson. I would love to see him just keep the going in the middle for the next month, play Maynard next to him, play Quaynor on the wing, play Dacos in the middle or on the wing and just get genuine quality on the mm. ball rather than going for your Jack Magdans and your Jack Crisps and all that. I mean, I think Crisp would be okay when he's number four or five in line. The way he's being pushed up now, he's number two or three in line. And I just, I mean, he's had a good game against Essendon. He's probably one of the better players against Essendon. But we know his disposal efficiency. I think he was in the top six for turnovers in the league. That's good to say we're up there for something. And that's, if you look at our side in general, I, there's too many players, I'm not going to name names, but there's players that we build up and they're just, okay, they're good footballers in terms of they're good solid footballers, but really they're nothing brilliant. And they remind me very much of our 3 grand final team that had like a lot of those sort of role players. And the period right now we're talking about it, it reminds me very much of 2004, 2005 where the bottom has just dropped out. Your better players are injured or out. And it's exposing all these guys who are woefully ill-equipped to carry the load. And this is a time like when you make a name for yourself or you're just proven to be on the fringe. Um, yeah, look, I, and I think, you know, you, it's just going to be... It has to be that a lot of these kids are going to be rotated through and played. And you just want to be able to see whether they've got something this year and get games into them. But the bigger thing too, going back to Anzac Day, they all looked... Sorry, McCreary looked good. Most of them looked average because just the system just doesn't work. Mm. And they need to find a much better system what they're doing. The good players look average because of that system. Oh, what good players. Oh, sorry. Um, I can't believe I said that. What's your tip? Um, Gold Coast by 24 points. Okay, I'm going to tip Collingwood by 13. Be a little bit different. Uh, congratulations to Brianna Davey who won the AFLW equivalent of the Brownlow. What, what's that? Do you know what it's called? No, I don't know. I don't, know. Oh, I don't, know I don't think it's got a name. Um, the best and fairest. And the four Collingwood players who made the All-Australian AFLW. Yep, well deserved. Britt Benici, Brenda Davey, Ruby Schleiser, and Chloe Malloy. Correct. So, congratulations. Good work. Looking forward to them. Yep, no and pressure. No if you can just win a flag next year, give us all those miserable bastards something to look forward to. Um, that'd be good, thanks. Yep. Final thoughts? Uh, I don't have any thoughts. Okay. Right, that's it from us. And, it's, um, and, and it, it's, it's it from us. That's it from us. Comment, like, don't dislike. Subscribe. Don't dislike. Um, subscribe. Buy a, buy a t-shirt. Hit, a, hit us up on Facebook. Uh, don't hit us up with criticism because... We don't read those. We don't care. We, we get upset. Yeah. We're very sensitive people. You, you, know, you should line up a set half forward. <laughs> Oh, Actually, no, with delivery like that, you should be in the midfield. Should be kicking out. That's it. Should be kicking out from fullback. <laughs> this is not a boating accident. That's it from us. Later. See ya.